The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy who is good. Hashtag glue guy, hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holy to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zoraris. Zoraris. Rangers fans, welcome to Liberty Blue, the best Rangers podcast in town. I'm Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis. We scream about the Rangers so that you don't have to. This is episode 60 live on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube, and we're available wherever you get your podcasts as well. Nick, Nick Bonino apparently doesn't bring that hashtag Stanley Cup pedigree to the Rangers, huh? I'm very happy that Larry, whenever Larry... The way I describe Larry at this point is he's like a really good starting pitcher who's like 41 years old, like Randy Johnson on the Yankees or Justin Verlander on the Mets right now, where it's like every now and then he can still rear one back and hit 97, 98. But for the most part, he's living at 92, 93 now. But on occasion, when he gets it right and it's a warm summer day and the air is really thin and he can let it fly, (laughs) he just lets it rip like that. And exactly. We spent the entirety of last season saying, well, if they need Ryan Reeves around for the vibes, how bad are the vibes that they need a dedicated person to be on the team whose entire job is just vibes? The, the, if you need somebody for vibes, one, yeah, your locker room is rancid and it requires a lot more than just vibes to fix. And two, if a player can't play hockey and you, but he has great vibes, assistant coach. Yeah. Pra- I- practice coach. Some play. It, he doesn't, if he can't play hockey, don't send him out there to play hockey. Don't do that. It's you like it's, it's like that evergreen tweet of like, you know, I wish teams would pay me a million dollars to say no once a year. That, like that, this is it. Like, if, if, if there's a hockey player who can no longer play hockey, but everybody loves him, guess what? You can keep this guy around. Pay him to, to coach or like be the, you know, give give him a title. It doesn't matter what it is. Just have him have him be around. But if he can't play hockey, don't send him out there to play hockey. Like that's, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be this, you know, this magnificent oh, light bulb moment that like, oh, you know, this guy, he's he's a spry 58 years old. We shouldn't be paying him to play hockey anymore. Maybe he's better suited in a different role. Like it, it's it's the same thing with, you know, it, with guys like Ryan Reeves and, you know, not just, you know, like Tanner Glass is another example of like, I get the people like him, but he can't play hockey. So why is he out there? Because the vibes are so bad that they need a designated vibes guy. That's really what it said. That Larry said it best. If, yeah, yeah. if you have to go and get three, two and three guys who were leaders on teams, you know, two presidential administrations ago, what does that say about how you feel about your current leadership? And right. that's really that's what we said when they named Trevor captain last two summers ago. At this point, now was if they are naming him captain, they think everything is fine. And then they had another season where very clearly everything was not fine, but they can't take the C away from the guy and they can't import a marquee name brand captain type guy because those guys are expensive. So best we can do is two guys who played with good captains, like guys who played with Sidney Crosby and played with Shea Weber. That's great and all. But at this point, yeah, I'm very over the importing of um, intangibles because intangibles Intangibles you can't prove. It's like the boogeyman. It's like the magic bullet theory. It's in your gut. The exact the people tell you, yeah, that this guy's a great leader. Well, what does that mean? Can you translate that? Can you put that in layman's terms for us who are not around the team on a day to day basis? That's really the frustration with that type of thing. Like, and you you see it because on occasion, like I said, Larry hits ninety seven, ninety eight every now and then where he hits the nail right on the head. What are they doing? Why do they care so much about this in relation to the team that's already in place? I thought the team you had, you felt good about. I thought the team you had was already a Stanley Cup contender. Why do we need to go out and get better leadership then? Why can't we just get better talent? The intangibles to a certain point, I I, I see the, the positives with in terms of like, you know, work ethic and right, toughness, right? Like, like all, all, all of that. And, and also, you know, in the scope of all, right. All of that, but also, you know, 
you That's need I mean. you need a structure, at least a leadership structure in place that drives the will to win. Like you need you need at the top of the of the team's you know hierarchy are people that not just you know say things but don't show it. You need the the top of the top to you know show up to work early every day and drive and compete to win games. Like that that is in 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 layman's terms like what the intangibles of a championship winning team are are the people at the top like Miami like the Miami Heat for example where you have Pat Riley and Jimmy Butler and and those guys in place that are like okay like Jimmy Butler he said it I don't know if this is actually true but he said it I think a couple of seasons ago he shows up to practice at 3 a.m. and like and just practices all day long like that's what he does now that's extreme save some energy for the game but like that's the kind of leadership that wins games and wins championships and gets the culture moving in the right direction because if you have guys at the top that are making the most amount of money that are you know saying all these glamorous things about winning titles and winning and how to win and all these things and they're not doing the things that you need to win championships it doesn't mean anything you can say whatever you want but you have to show the rest of the team that hey this is how you win championships. I am doing these things. Either follow me and we will win or get lost. That has to be the like that has to be the the biggest takeaway as as a leader on the or on any team, really. Because if you're a leader and your voice doesn't impact winning and doesn't drive people towards winning, you need a new leader. Effectively, yes. That that's really what it comes down to. And just bringing in one guy to kind of, or two guys. That's that's kind of the issue the Rangers have with the intangibles conversation. Is they keep looking to import guys from other organizations without mi- being mindful of what makes those other organizations successful. Is that those other organizations have strong foundations that have good leadership and that type of that that type of institutional knowledge where once guys get there, it spreads easily. The Rangers have continuously tried to import that from other places and then they're one they're mystified why it doesn't work that they brought in somebody from the jets they brought in someone from the lightning from the golden knights they bring it carol bring in someone from carolina all these guys from other places not mindful that those are just supporting guys from those other places they didn't bring in steven stamkos they didn't bring in andre palat they didn't bring in sid or malkin or latang they didn't bring in jared stall they didn't bring in somebody with a strong background they brought in guys who maybe maybe not jared stall that's the one I'm thinking of. The center. Jordan Stahl. Jordan Stahl, yeah. Jer- I, I don't Stahl. think Jared Stahl pl- was good enough to play in the NHL, but yes, no, I get, I get what you said. J- Jared Stahl got drafted. I remember. He got Jared drafted, Stahl but he played? Play? I don't think he played. Jared Stahl was an NHL player because I remember somebody tweeting a joke about it not too long ago about them versus the Gretzkys in relation to him versus Brent Gretzky. If, if you I look up Jared correctly. Stahl, the first thing that comes up is his name followed by Jared Stahl arrested. I don't oh, know. yeah. Hey, he's a he's a he's a good old Canadian boy. I'm sure he's working somewhere in hockey with a DUI of some or some type of misconduct charge that probably would have gotten a normal person thrown out of their job. But he's got three brothers in hockey. He's working in hockey. Somewhere. Okay, so this this article from 2007 is about Eric and Jordan Stahl. They they were Getting in arrested. some yeah. hot water following a raucous weekend party. They were charged with disorderly conduct. <laughs> Okay, I yeah, like. I do you, remember that because I I remember Eric Stahl's mugshot being on the timeline during the playoffs at one point for him being bad. Because <laughs> people are funny. People are funny. Totally are funny. forgot about this, but yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, he played two NHL games. This Jared Stahl, he played two games in 2012, 2013 with the Hurricanes, and he has not played since. So there's that. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, wrapping up on this before we get to the meat and potatoes of today's episode, just. At some point, it, it, it does feel nice. It, it takes a while for a lot of the people to get to where we're at. And I understand that, like you talked about on last week's episode, uh, to some degree, you kind of have to, you got to play nice so the Rangers don't turn your key card off, that kind of thing. But it's nice when the people who have access can get to the point that we're at as people who, you know, just watch the games and use the internet. That, that That's the fun part is when people who have all this access and can get people on the record very easily, it takes them a year to get to a point where we get to from just using common sense. That's very fun. It, it, it makes me feel like I kind of know what we're doing here that, to some degree, at least. I mean, I, to, I think we do because like we, 
again, we aren't like this team is great and everything they're doing is great. We're also not everything this team does is terrible and like everybody's awful and you know like this and that we are in real time dissecting the objective truths of what's going on and if you don't like it well i hate to break it to you but like two plus two does equal four regardless of how you feel about the number four it's still four the answer is the answer regardless of whether you like it or not so you know like that's that's the whole premise of the show like that's that's how you know i approached you like way back last year to do the show about hey like this is going to be like this is what this is and yet and here we are breaking it all down and you know like we're we're not here to to puff anybody up or to tear anybody down like this is the these are the facts and and here we are presenting to you so you know the like the and the Rangers, like, I don't know if they want to hear it. Because uh, they don't a lo- care about winning. Uh, That's the other thing. They, they, they just want to sell tickets, bro. I, they just I, want like, to sell listen, tickets. Listen, I, I understand. I, I understand they want to sell tickets. The thing, <laughs> the thing about the Rangers that, that Jim Dolan needs to understand is that he will sell tickets regardless because they are the Rangers. Correct. So you might as well try to win. Like you might as well do everything that's in your best ability to win. And that comes with facing hard truths that comes with understanding. Okay. You know, here are the glaring issues with this team. Mika Zibanejad has a lot of talent, never uses at a five on five, only a power play demon. Why? I don't know, but he's been doing it for three, four years now on this team. Panarin used to be a dynamic shooter, loved shooting, has a phenomenal shot, never uses it. Why? I don't know. That's a problem. Figure it out. Like, you know, Jacob Trube, $8 million to play hockey, I guess. I don't know. To do things out there, to throw helmets. Like, these are hard truths that the Rangers have to have to internalize and understand. But until they do that, like, this is it. This is the team. So speaking of this, uh, speaking of the, the Rangers issues, one of the things I, I was doing last week in regards, I was doing something for the Flames podcast, just kind of looking where trends are going, what the goal, the ideal goal scoring split is, what type of goal share you should be looking at. Like it's some underlying stuff and just trying to look for big picture things to kind of compare where that team is at versus where they need to be if they want to be a real contender. The Flames are clearly a tier below, if not two tiers below, where the Rangers are. I did my tier list today and I had the Flames as a bubble team and the Rangers firmly as a playoff team. The Flames will probably end up being in the bad tier once they trade Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin as well. But the Rangers... The thing that's been interesting about them for so long, and we we both know this very well, they are driven by their goaltending and their power play. Those are their bread and butter. Those are the those are the two anchor points of the team that carry them. So one of the things I, I went and did was I wanted to just compare just goals in terms of where they come from, the goal share, and how much harder you have to get. Because this is the point I think a lot of people miss in regards to the conversation around chance generation. And whenever they hear expected goals, they turn their brains off. All we're talking about is how easy is it for you to score consistently. That's the entire logic behind using expected goals, high danger chances. If you are consistently taking low quality chances from the point, from the outside, eventually over time they add up and you get a decent expected goals number. But you're going to have a lot better chance of scoring if you are in tight all the time, if you are getting those looks from around the net mouth, if you're deflecting, if you're getting rebounds. So I'm going to pull up the first visual I have here, which is a table. This is comparing the Rangers to the last five Stanley Cup champions in just expected goals and high danger chances. You see, the Rangers have never been higher than 20th in expected goals or high danger chances over the last five seasons. The Rangers have not finished with a positive expected goal share since the 2014-2015 season. Naturally, that tells you, well, they rely on their goaltending. They're a goalie first team. And yes, you're correct. You got the end of Henrik Lundqvist prime in there, and you got the start of Igor Shosturkin, somebody who's already won a Vesna three years into his career. But this tells you, The Rangers are working harder for offense, that the other team has the puck a lot more often, that it is challenging for the Rangers to generate offense consistently, at least up five on five, 
because they just don't have the puck enough. And that's what's interesting as we go along in this conversation, because I've got some other things, that I was genuinely surprised to see how well the Rangers compared to other teams in the league, especially a five-on-five, because of how frequently we watch them and we know the team's shortcomings, that they actually don't look terrible at five-on-five, which is going to be the second one here. This is just at five on five in relation to the league average. The Rangers have been over league average in terms of five on five goals. 2022, 2023, 2021, and then 1920. Those are the three years they've made the playoffs in the last four. And yes, we're including the bubble there. But I just found it very interesting that for the most part, they're not as bad as it feels anecdotally at scoring five on five. I think it's because a lot of their opportunities come off maybe odd man rushes or That's kind of, of kind sure. of the, you know, Hey, we got the puck. Let's, let's speed down the other way and create an off, create an offensive chance. Cause a lot of teams will do what they can to, to mitigate being in the defensive end a lot, which the Rangers don't do a good job of, which is why it feels like the Rangers don't do a lot come five on five, because a lot of the times the other team has the puck. So yeah. the Rangers are, you know, like they, they are a good team at producing counter offense of we have the puck. All right, we are we are going. We are sprinting down the other way, creating an opportunity, and a lot of times that leads to a goal. But throughout the course of a game, how many times does that happen? That that happens maybe a few times and you know, but how many of those few times ends up in the back of the net? So there's a lot of nuance here that yes. If you look at the, if you look at this specific example, it looks like the Rangers are above league average at scoring at five on five. But if you dig, dig, you know, dig a little deeper and you and you see how they play the game, and you're like, wait, they rarely have the puck on their sticks. They just score a lot when they do because they're just going the other way on the counterattack. And the other point to this, obviously, is when you have a very good goalie, that prevents the other team from scoring. So you can win with fewer goals. That's the other point here, where even though they are scoring above league average, their defense is not great. It's the fact that they have a goalie who can rattle off a 915 save percentage, and that's going to win you a decent amount of games. But for the most part, when when you look at comparing what gets you in the playoffs, what not, Every single of the top 16 teams in goals, just goals, not five on five goals. So I'll go back one in the uh, presentation here. This is just this is just total goals of the top 16 teams in goals, not expected goals, just total goals of the top 16. 14 of those 16 made the playoffs last year. That goes to show you that there is a reasonably strong correlation between just scoring goals and making the playoffs and something else further along. We're going to talk about where some of your points come from being a strong indicator of your success. And that's what we're talking about here. When we're looking at trends like this, we are trying to identify what other teams do that are successful. And then if you're an outlier, like one of the teams that was up there in scoring, but wasn't in the playoffs was Pittsburgh. What was Pittsburgh's problem this year? Their goaltending. Yeah. So you get a clear understanding of you cannot only outscore. And the other team, curiously enough, Vancouver was Mm. also top 16 in goals. Vancouver also had a minus 20 goal differential as a team. But that goes to show you that even as good as your offense can be, you can't totally outscore your issues. And that was something we were worried about towards the end of the season last year where they were scoring a lot, but their defense was also loosening up at that point because they were forsaking defense to create more offense. And that kind of leads you led into that issue where against the Devils, they got into that track meet type environment and the Devils slowly but surely wore away at them, that they were able to outskate them. And over the course of a seven game series, they were able to outlaw last them and that's really what you want to think about here is what are the rangers doing in relation to other teams because it's not just enough to be a good team are you good in relation to the teams you need to beat it's great that you're better than you know the penguins and the capitals and the middling teams in the metro how do you stack up with the devils with the leafs with the hurricanes with vegas with the lightning, you know, that's really the way you got to think about this in terms of building your roster and how you create your offense, because it's not just good enough to be good. You need to be better than the teams you're going to be in the mix with come April, May, June, hopefully. The Rangers against the Devils, and we talked about this, you know, when it happened and throughout the summer, were too slow to deal with the Devils. Yes. So slow, in fact, that they got into a yelling match. I think it was after game three. Four. 
and okay, game four, and it, nothing was nothing was resolved after that, and they got bounced in six, and that was that. The Rangers are essentially bringing the same team back. So 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 the team that was so bad in the playoffs against the young and spry and upcoming team that they were screaming at each other after a loss. You bring back the same team and expect things to change. Why? Because they're going to argue. What is fundamentally... Like, I understand that Gallant is gone and Laviolette is in. That's going to be the point they're going to get. But if the leadership group was, you know... I, I I wasn't there obviously at the time, so I don't know who was yelling and who was saying what and what was going on. But I would have to imagine the leadership group was part of that cage match. So if the leadership group was a part of that, and nothing got resolved on the ice, the team was still too slow. The team just couldn't react in time. The devil skated circles around the team, and that was that. What is going to fundamentally change from that team to this team if it is essentially the same roster? So I'm going to steal a thought from Hockey Stat Miner, who tweeted this, I want to say, the week after they hi- the Rangers hired Laviolette. He said, it's going to be very funny when Peter Laviolette gets credit for playing Lafreniere on the second line as the right wing and him breaking out and having a 60-point season, and Laviolette gets credit for that like he didn't have a choice. And that's effectively what you're banking on here. And I, I can sway, sway uh, not sway, I can transition to the next visual I have here because I, it talks more to what we're talking about with Lafreniere. This is just where your goals are coming from. These are the top seven forwards for the Rangers this upcoming season. I have Wheeler's numbers from with the Jets last year, but you see very quickly. Zavinijad, your leading goal scorer, then Kreider, then Panarin. Then you have a real drop-off. You get down to Trocek, who's in the low 20s, and then Heedle was over 20, Heedle was 22. You have four guys over 20, and then everybody else below that. You get decent contributions. VZ had like 11 or 12, but for the most part, these are your guys. And this is something Larry wrote in that same column where they don't really have a choice now. There isn't going to be a, a great addition that they can really make unless they can get creative at the deadline. So you're going to have to find a way to get more offense from someone. How much more can you really expect to get from Panarin, Zbigniew, Kreider, Trocek, Blake Wheeler? So that means you have to find a way to get more from Kako Heat, Olafrenier. And maybe if you want to say, if Othman makes the team, I'm not banking on that. Will Cooley's not an offense guy. So I know a lot of people are, were arguing about this yesterday or the day before when Larry wrote that column and said the Devils are one of the youngest teams in the league based on average age and the Rangers are one of the oldest. And then he got a bunch of people in the reply saying, but what about Othman and what about Cooley? Well, those guys aren't going to be making serious impacts. If they make the team, they are going to be in the bottom six and they are not going to be people you can depend on right away, which is important. You don't want have to depend on those kids right away so you look at this and you get a clear understanding Kako Lafreniere Heedle that's your room for improvement realistically you need to get both Kako and Lafreniere over that 20 goal plateau at least you need to get them both in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 and you'll notice there Lafreniere three power play goals last year Kako zero power play goals last year that is your textbook opportunity yes they both averaged about 55 seconds of power play time per game You need to get that second power play unit functioning. It cannot just be go out there and skate. You cannot let Jacob Truba piss away a a zone entry, ripping a shot off, not at the net. Larry said it. I'll reiterate it here. Ke'Andre Miller or Gustafson or Zach Jones needs to be quarterbacking the second power play unit, and it needs to be functional. It cannot just be go out there and see what happens. I need to see a discernible, okay, when the second power play unit is out there, they like to play like this. Uh, Tony Zunaika just made a, uh, a comment on YouTube that I want to I want to respond to really quickly because he said a better coach can bring order and make adjustments as needed. Rangers won game one and two. Devils made adjustments and they won. Rangers did nothing. Yes, I agree with that. But at this at the at the same time though, the Rangers were still too slow. Like at, at the tail end of three, four, you know, and, and five and six, the Devils were just simply the faster team. They got to the loose pucks faster. They won the board battles. They 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 essentially lived in the Ranger zone for for four games. I understand like the, the adjustments weren't there, and Gallant failed, and we talked about that during the dur- you know right after the right after the series was over. We talked about that, you know, like that's we we went over that. At this, but also on top of that failure, the Rangers were simply the slower team. 
So there's uh, there's a lot of blame to go around for why that series collapsed for the Rangers after looking really good in the first two games, how it all crumbled down. Yes, a lot of that was on Gerard Gallant for literally not changing anything and just hoping things would fix themselves. I like that. I agree. That's a, that's a massive failure on his part. But at the same time, Peter Laviolette is not going to make Blake Wheeler skate faster. That's just not going to happen. So one thing we can say about that, something, an adjustment, an addendum, the way you mitigate if you are a slow team is you adjust your structure. If you are playing against a team that is significantly faster than you, you are going to have to make a conscious choice to play a certain style. The Rangers' inability to play any coherent style last year was part of their undoing against the Devils. The logic of bringing in LaViolette is he can coach a rigid structure that will be able to adapt and flow versus what you're playing against. Against a fast team like the Devils, that means you got to make the puck move faster. That means guys have to be closer to each other. That means your forwards can't fly the zone early looking to go the other way on the rush. Even if the Rangers are a rush-based offense, and that's their most efficient way to get to offense, that means we got to come back. We got to have short passes as possible and give our forwards a chance to get out of the zone and give our defensemen time. And real quick, the other point to make off of this is this is what they are, unfortunately. They are boxed in with the talent they have. They cannot seriously consider getting out of any of these long-term deals for at least one more season. Then some of these go to limited no trades, and then you could talk about how you would remodel the roster and the salary cap increasing. But there isn't an obvious answer. And this is really the crux of a lot of the arguments I've read and watched this summer in regards to the Rangers is, well, they don't have any cap space. Well, I don't want to hear that because the GM was the one who decided we're giving up all these draft picks. We're giving up this cap space. We think we're ready to go right now. And you don't get to say, well, he's doing it because the owner told him to. Well, he did it anyway. I I don't care that, you know, well, he's in an impossible situation. There's not really an easy way to convince Jim Dole and the team's not that good. Well, I don't know what I you, I need to t- explain to you. Your job as a general manager is to be able to make your case to your owner that, hey, I need to be able to run the team this way. And that's why he shouldn't be the GM and the president because he can't be – there isn't a buffer between him and James Dolan. It's James Dolan calls Drury and says, well, why is the team blah, 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 when Dur- Dolan watches his one Ranger game a week. Well, well, James, blah, 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 blah. You need a buffer. That is part of the reason that president and GM are two jobs. The responsibilities are a little bit different. You need the buffer, and the president has to worry about the business side of things as well, not just the hockey. So wearing both of those hats, I don't care that he's in a difficult situation. He's getting paid almost $4 million to do both jobs. If you are struggling that much to be the GM, hire someone above you. Give somebody else the presidency. Or or we could say, hey, He's made these decisions. He needs to be accountable for them. That's really what it comes down to for me. And I get why people don't want to just pile on because they feel like, hey, he's doing the best he can in given the situation. Well, that's great and all, but this is professional sports. Everybody else is figuring out ways to convince their owner to let them do their job. If he can't convince the owner, hey, I need to do this my way, I that tells me that this is either an, a hopelessly impossible situation and there's no point in doing this because the Rangers are never going to be a well-run team because the owner is too much of a nuisance or B that we need to find the Dolan whisperer. One of the two. The thing about Dolan is if he thinks he can run a team better than the general manager that he hired to run the team, go and run the team. Yeah. If you are so smart if you're so much smarter than Drury, if you're so much smarter than everybody that wants to run the team and, and people that run other teams around the league, you put on the general manager's hat and you do the work. If, 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 you, if you think you know it all, if you think you'd be tremendous at it, if you think that you're incredible at, at, you know, at finding talent and being the whisper, uh, fi- finding the next time in the rough, then go ahead and do that. But Okay, go ahead. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that Dolan thinks he's smarter than everybody else. I think it's Dolan thinking that my organization is better than anybody else's. And, well, why aren't we winning? We spend all this money. Why aren't we that good? And it's 
putting it all on the general manager and president because they're the same person and not having an understanding of what makes a good hockey team and what makes a good what makes a good organization. I think it's that. I don't think Dolan thinks he can do it better than Drury. I think Dolan thinks I spend all this money, why aren't we better than we are? I don't okay. think it's well, he himself. The, so to that I would say it's on Chris Drury at a certain point to 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 present Jim his plan. Yes. Okay. This is the team right now. My plan for the next two, three, four, five years is to do X, Y, and Z. This season, we might not win 82 games, but we will make the playoffs and we'll do what we can to, 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 you know, to win every game every night. The next season, I, I'm going to be... Sh- these contracts are expiring or these, are, these contracts become more tradable so I can get rid of these players and bring in better talent to surround my core and that this is how I'm going to do it. If Jim Dolan doesn't agree or doesn't... like, It's, it's easy for me to be like, oh, well, Chris Jury shouldn't have, been, shouldn't have accepted the job if he didn't think... Like, yeah, but that, but that, but that, that. like it's, it's, it's ridiculous because he gets, paid, he gets paid millions of dollars to be a GM slash president of a team. He's saying yes to that. Like, there's yeah. no, you know, I would say yes to that. Like, you'd say yes to that. People that are listening would say yes to that. Of course you would say yes to that. That's a lot. That's a law. That's a big payday. Very, very, very lucrative money to, to do what Chris Jury does. So there's, it's, it'd be silly to be like, oh, Chris Jury should have taken the job if he, if he can't talk to Jim Dillon. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. At the same time, Jim Dolan hired Chris Drury because he believed he was capable of being the general manager slash president of the New York Rangers Hockey Club. Let Chris do his job. There has to be a back and forth. There has to be Chris Drury presenting the ideas that he has to Jim in, you know, in a structured environment of like, hey, this this is my this is my five year plan. This is how I'm going to accomplish it. And, and Jim has to at, at a certain point trust in the people that he hired to run the team because if he if you and again like we're we're at at at, at a certain point kind of like speculating because i don't i'm sure jim has jim doesn't watch a whole lot of rangers games but you know maybe maybe he did watch a lot during the november december slide and was calling chris every day asking you know what the hell is going on with the team and Chris is like, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I, I'm sure those conversations were had. And maybe the maybe the helmet throw saved Chris's job as well. We don't we have no idea. But at a certain point, like both both people have to trust in each other to get things done, because if there's no trust, if Jim doesn't trust Chris, then everything falls apart. But if Chris can't present his ideas to Jim, that falls apart. And, that, and Chris just ends up doing whatever Jim wants, which can't happen either. So there has to be a better balance here. So I think the other counterpoint to that, and I think this is kind of the, the big point, point we'll make on this before we move on, that implies that Jim James Dolan's a rational actor, which we know he isn't. You know, in a rational relationship, you're correct. You find a middle ground that works for both parties. But we know James Dolan is not the most rational of parties when it comes to making decisions for either of his first franchises. So that's the real conundrum here. You are dealing with an irrational actor who may or may not be taking advice directly from Glenn Sather, who then, who then, using what he just heard from Glenn, calls Chris with, hey, how come the team is this? Glenn was telling me about this. Why can't we do this? Which, again, Drury took the job. You knew what you signed up for, especially taking it in the situation he did where his – Two immediate superiors got fired and he got promoted to fill the void that they both left. That's really the last thing I want to say on that is you knew he was always getting boxed into a corner because whenever you take a job, it's on the condition of, well, I'll do the job. And then James has said, you're going to fix this, this and this. And Chris says, yeah, I am. And he trade for Ryan Reeves, Barkley Goodrow, Sammy Blatt and sign Patrick Nemeth real quick because we're small and we're weak as opposed to big and strong. So sure. that's the last thing on that. And then this is the other uh, statistical thing I wanted to talk about because I found this interesting. It was something I was thinking about in regards to something we always hear, where whenever you whenever you express concern about being too reliant at five-on-five play, you get people say, well, the goalie's part of the team too, which gave me a thought of, well, let me think about the, the point split in terms of, if you're not getting your points from your forwards, how much are you getting from your defensemen? And is there a correlation between getting points from your defensemen and being a good team and making the playoffs? And 
yes, there is a strong correlation between being a good regular season team and playoff point and making the playoffs and getting points from your defensemen. You will notice here that of the top 17 teams, because I wrote it down, of the top 17 teams in terms of points from their defensemen, 15 of them were playoff teams this past year. The two that weren't, the Calgary Flames, the Sharks, and then the Canucks. And all of those make sense. The Sharks had a defenseman with 110 points who was the vast majority of their points. Other than Eric Carlson's 101, 24, 18, 12, 11, and 7 were the point totals of defensemen. Vancouver, Quinn Hughes, gaudy point total, 76. That really goes to show that you need to be finding offense from somewhere. If you are too worried about just defense, you are missing the boat. That's not to say defense doesn't matter at all, but there is a strong correlation between getting points from your back end and being a good team. And it's important that this is something that the Rangers are one of the better teams in the league at. They were tied for, I think I wrote it down, I think they were fourth last year. Yeah, they were tied for fourth in points of any team from defensemen. That's a good thing. This is something in the Rangers roster construction that is good. The key now is... Can we make it more efficient? Because we know uh, the second pair combined 74 points is not bad from two defensemen between sure. Andre Miller and Truba. The key is being a little more efficient because, you know, Truba is like a 2% shooter from the field and takes the second most shots of any defenseman on the team. That's an area where, hey, we can be even more efficient. We're good at this. We can go from fourth to second, and then that's a few less we need from our bottom six. That means our fourth line doesn't need to generate as much offense because Truba and Miller were out there for another four or five goals over the course of an entire season. And again, these are little things that you can pick up on and say, well, the Rangers are good at this. How can we get a little bit better here? And this is what we talked about a lot last week, too. And the, the fix there is to just put Keandre Miller on the second power play unit, yeah. right? So the, you, you remove Jacob Truba and his slap shot that hits that young lady from Shawinigan or whatever Doc Emmerich said on that NHL game a few years ago. But like you, you take away Truba and his inability to hit the net on the second power play unit, and you actually put a better, what a better playmaker and a better offense creator in Keandre Miller or Eric Gustafson, like you talked about, or Zach Jones or somebody else that knows how to do it better than, than Truba. And that also will, one, raise Kendra Miller's point totals, but also, in theory, hopefully, maybe, activate Lafreniere and Kako and Hedl and those guys that are, go- that are making up the second power play unit because the second power play unit has been dead. For, for long stretches of the year, it was all on the first power play unit to get things done, and the second power play unit just kind of did their cardio workout i guess for 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 a minute and then left the ice because they couldn't generate any offense the offense has to come from the 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 quarterback the quarterback of the power play generates a lot of the opportunities that come your way when you're up a man or two on the ice so when when you have one that doesn't isn't really good at it like Jacob Truba is, he's that's, inefficient. That's the real sure. crux of it because he does drive offense. That is the strongest part of his game is his offensive instincts. Right. He's got decent but, offensive instincts. It's a matter yeah. of refining them and improving his decision making that will make him more effective. Right. Well, if you if you put somebody that understands how to effectively quarterback a power play better out there, like you know Miller or who. Gustafson or whoever, then you further increase the number of points that the defenseman gets, you activate the players that need to be activated, and off you go. Now, you might be cooking with something. That's the key here, because the Rangers really are going to be defined by the margins of the team this year. That is really the area where the Rangers can say, well, we're better than the, at this than last year, because we got a little bit more out of our second power play. And our third line was a little bit better. And our fourth line was better because Jimmy Vesey played on it all season. So our we had a really good defensive fourth line as opposed to Vesey moonlighting in the top six, as opposed to Goudreau moonlighting in the top six. That's really the key here to trying to get the Rangers to be a better team next year is finding the most efficient configuration of their lineup. And it's why we spend every single day. Why do you care so much about what the lines look at like at practice? 
Well, first of all, it would have been nice if they actually practiced last <laughs> yeah, year. I would like and to see that. All, I, that would be nice if yeah. practice lasted more than 20 minutes and right. it was more than just guys getting the blood going. And this year, it'll be a matter of, well, are they practicing well? Are these lines making sense? Are we getting more efficient? Or are we doing what we've already done for a year and a half, two years, where we're seeing guys who don't have top six skill sets playing in the top six because the coach trusts them arbitrarily based on things that aren't within the control of young guys? It's not Alexi Lafreniere's fault he had one year of NHL experience when Gallant got here. It's not Kako's fault he had two years of NHL experience when Gallant got here. So now that it's sink or swim time, and if they sink, the Rangers are screwed, it's time. There is no other. There is no silver bullet. There is no Tarasenko. There, it, there might be Patrick Kane, but I don't really know if Patrick Kane with one hip is going to make that much of a difference in like March through the end of the playoffs. Like that's the other component here of oh well, they could wait for Patrick Kane. Great if he shows up in February after not playing professional hockey for five months. It's going to take him a month, a month and a half to ramp back up to being even a semi-useful hockey player. So there isn't the obvious solution here. And it's why we're so focused on the margins and why we've done three straight weeks of, well, the offense, the defense, what can more can we do with this group? How does it compare to other groups is just trying to find anything to look at, to peel back and say, well, okay, maybe this is a possibility. And, and this all, for better or for worse, if this is fair or not, essentially falls on Laviolette. This is like, this is all on him to take in this bungled mess of a roster that he currently has and all the pitfalls that, you know, that we've seen, especially during the last playoffs and throughout the year that we've talked about. He now is tasked with the responsibility of untangling the, the, the headphone cords. It is his, like he, he found the roster in his pocket with you know the, the the headphone cords that are all tangled up in a bunch, it is now his responsibility to untangle the cords and make them nice and and clean again. So that like that that's that's going to be his job. On top of actually putting in a structure, on top of actually practicing with the team, on top of actually getting mid game adjustments, on top of everything else that he's going to be tasked with. Okay, now he also has to fix all of the issues on the fly and figure out, hey, these things could be better. Let's do that instead of not fixing it and pretending everything goes okay because I'm smug and I know better than, and I I just, I'm a head coach in the National Hockey League, so I know better than you and I don't have to answer questions from reporters. That's basically what it comes down to, man. It it, it is the finest of needles that they are going to have to thread this season to find real improvement in the regular season, let alone in the playoffs. Because we won't know. They got to make the playoffs, and then we got to see who they play in the playoffs to say, hey, they improved or they didn't. Because they've been a decent regular season team over the last two years. You heard Gallant. I have won this many games over the last two years, and I need to answer these questions about my job. Well, yeah, you do, because the GM thinks they're trying to win the Stanley Cup. So, sorry, uh, the ride's outside. Uh, enjoy doing Sportsnet this year, Gerard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it, it's just, man... The range, the Rangers needed an adult in the room. Like that's that's essentially what it came down to. Because Gerard Gallant, for better or for worse, didn't act like one. For at least at least in in media, he acted like he knew better than everybody else. And that's like I'm, you know, I I don't want to speak negatively negatively about the 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 Gerard Gallant like the person. It's just you know when when you go out in front of media and in front of the public, and you act very like you know like, oh, yeah you, you, oh well you know you're you're asking me these questions how dare you it's like this this kind of this kind of arrogance and confidence doesn't really gel well with most players or most management or most fans or most media you know like john cooper has won stanley cups he's yeah. once he's won back to back like my man's has has cup rings and then he went out, you know, that, that one game where, where he benched Stamkos and Kucherov and those guys, he went out and addressed the questions about why he did that. Yeah, because they played like ass, so I benched them. This is why I did that. This is why I did that. I'm taking responsibility. We will be better. Gerard Gallant has not done that. 
He doesn't, he has well, he doesn't have the pedigree of doing that. He doesn't have the pedigree of someone, you know, that, that should have the arrogance that he does. And like, like I said, John Cooper has way more playoff, you know, winning pedigrees here. And he doesn't have that level of arrogance. He doesn't, he, you know, he's not talking down to the media, not talking down to the fans. And at a certain point, you know, the, the Rangers were, the Rangers were what, gave him two years. And also like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers started the year poorly because oh, they always if, do. If this you, is always a right, new coach thing. Yes, right. If you if you remember back in 2014, the is Rangers looked like a dumpster fire under Elaine Vigneault for the first like 15 games. They looked awful. Remember that I think it was nine two or nine four or whatever yeah, it was Marty that, that yeah that the the game that essentially forced Marty Biron into retirement when Tomas Hurdle scored four goals. Like the Rangers might not look good in October. I I wanna I wanna make that clear that no now so that when it happens in three months people don't just have Pikachu shocked faces across their collective mouth like across their collective faces because like. When you get a new head coach, it, it takes more than eight seconds to acclimate to the system. That's really what it comes down to. They're going to have a lot riding on stuff that we're not going to see. A lot of this Ranger season is going to come down to their ability to practice better, to foster a better environment, whatever that means, that's going to make these guys more comfortable to play better. And it's really going to be a matter of how, how much more can you scrape out of this group? That is really going to be the defining plot line of this season. How much more can you get out of a group that seems like it's kind of peaked out for, for the most part? Like it, it really comes down to those three guys, Hito, Kako, Lafreniere. If you want to say Ke'Andre Miller or Braden Schneider in the conversation as well, sure. Yeah, Ke'Andre, if he goes to that next tier and he breaks the 50-point plateau and he can carry his partner, that's that. That unlocks things for you that you are not currently forecasting right now. That is within the realm of possibility. Alexia Lafreniere, 110 points, putting money on it right now. You probably get a crazy number on that. If you can find a book <laughs> on – I mean, well, that would be in the conversation for biggest single-season point jump ever. Which, probably. Uh, I would have to yeah. think so. Yeah, I mean, 110 points isn't going to happen, but – if 60. If, 60, 60 would be great. And and it's the thing about Lafreniere is that he has the ability to do it. If if activated properly, I think because you can make the case that Lafreniere is on the Mark Shifley trajectory where early on it was looking like, what is Mark Shifley doing? Like he's not he's not putting up a lot of points. Like where where is the top talent we were promised as fans and as a team? Where is he? And then he he essentially one he grew up and two you know he he started he started actually participating in the offense and then he scored a bunch of goals and a bunch of points and then off he went as being you know one of the best players on the Winnipeg Jets so Lafreniere could could be on the same trajectory where hey new system Peter Laviolette will actually put him out on the ice what a you know what a what a concept to actually put your number one overall player, you know, in, in a position to, to do things offensively. If he puts him out there on the ice top six, if he puts him on the power play unit, if he gives him every opportunity to, to grow as a player, you know, both with his actual skill and also his hockey IQ, like if you're playing 10 minutes a game, you're not like it's with third line, fourth line guys, you're not getting the amount of, you know, pressure situations that you would against the other team's top line or, you know, second top line. Like you're, you're put into a lot of situations that you need to get yourself out of. And the best way to do that is to be put in those situations for you to then learn from and figure out how to do better at next time. So if, if if Flaviolette puts him in all of the best situations for him to succeed, then 60 points isn't out of the question. And Hey, maybe, maybe he breaks 70. Who knows? All right. Anything else you want to get in, Andrew? Should we call it a day? That's it. I mean, the, the only other thing that I wanted to mention quickly is that uh, Dmitry Filipovich earlier today put out uh, kind of a highlight reel of Nathan McKinnon saying, screw it, I'll do it myself and scoring a bunch of goals. And then I said, who on the Rangers is capable and willing to create offense like this? Ke'Andre. You know, Ke'Andre when he... <laughs> he's yeah, the only one. Right. Well, yeah, Ke'Andre, like Fox. I got a couple of Zibanejad tweets, but it's just like, 
Zabinijet has the talent to do it, but he doesn't do it. And like that's my baffled. I I'm baffled by Zabinijet. I really truly am because he has so much talent that he doesn't use. <laughs> like he's he's such a demon on the power play. He's such a demon when when he wants to be a demon. But a lot of times he chooses not to be a demon, and it just it baffles me to my core why he doesn't do the things that he's so good at more often. It's it really is a great question because there's not an obvious. It's got it's mental. It's decision making. It's prioritizing shooting over passing, and it, it's anno- It's frustrating. It's annoying. But this is where we are. Eat Arby's. <laughs> that, that's right. it. That's it. Uh, we we got to see if Arby's wants to do any ad buys. Oh, that'd I feel be great. Like that, I feel like that's a great opportunity because that's what it always comes back to, unfortunately. And this is because this is the team. Like, this yeah. is it. And La, like, LaViolette is going to hopefully bring in positive, positive change and ideas and things that will make this team better. But the roster is still the roster. So... You can you can do all the right things around Zabinijad and Kreider and and Panarin and these guys, but it's still up to them to shoot. It's still up to them to not force the cross ice pass a hundred times a game. It is still up to the players at the end of the day to do what they do best and win hockey games. Laviolette can bring in all the X's and O's and bring in everything. Like Laviolette can do a phenomenal job. It's still up to the top guys to wake up one day and say, hey, I'm Mika Zibanejad. I'm really good at this. Why am I pitching, you know, like putting myself into a pigeonhole here and only doing really good things on the power play when I can also do it at 515? It's up to, it's at the end of the day, it's up to the players to to, to fix this because Laviolette is, can do everything right behind the scenes, but on the ice, he's not skating. He's not the one on the ice. He, he, he can yell at Panarin and Zabinajad and, and those guys to, all he wants about forcing that cross-ice pass and, you know, don't do, stop doing it. But if Panarin wants to do it anyway, he can't do anything about it. So that's it's on the guys at the end of the day. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Liberty Blue Podcast. Make sure you are subscribed. We're available on all the major podcasting platforms, YouTube as well, if that's more your thing. Got the added value of the visuals and the charts and all that good stuff if you watch over on YouTube. We're getting there. People are joining the – people are starting to realize we might be a little annoying and occasionally we told you so we, but we know what we're talking about, which generally speaking is the point of consuming sports content is to get a little smarter and have – good talking points for whenever you get together with your friends. So until next week, we will see you guys uh, be safe. All that good stuff. Drink water. It's hot out later.